the SaaS Revolution show, bringing you front row seats to the SaaS Revolution. I'm your host, Alex Thumer, and today my guest on the show is part of a wave of exciting SaaS companies coming out of Europe and out of Paris in particular. Uh, he recently took his team to San Francisco for an intense few months last year as part of one of the, lo- uh, the global leading accelerator programs, that is 500 Startups. And uh, he started off 2016 with a bang, announcing a raise of $2.75 million in a second seed round led by Borderson Capital. Uh, welcome to the show, Olivier Pailliez, uh, CEO of Aircall. Hey, welcome everyone. Welcome, Alex. Hey, uh, thanks. Did I, did, it, did I get your surname uh, pronunciation right there, Olivia? I should have checked. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. P- pretty good, near enough. Okay, good stuff. Well, um, Olivia, really pleased to have you on the uh, uh, on the show today. Um, you, you know, uh, one of the objectives of, of today is really just to, you know, get some insights into your, your, your recent uh, uh, sort of decision and uh, experience at, you know, 500 startups um, and, and also, um, you know, about the, the, the news that you announced in, uh, I think, in January of the, the, uh, the, the large second seed round that you raised led by Balderton. Um, uh, so I guess, but before we go into that, um, you know, I, I know Aircall very well. In fact, I'm a, a user of Aircall. Um, uh, but can you provide our, our, our listeners an intro as to uh, who you are, what you do? All right. So what we do is we build um, what we think is the best phone system for sales and support teams. So we provide a software uh, that businesses use to talk to their customers that deploys instantly, that's entirely app-based, uh, online and that connects all call information to any other software you're using from Slack to Salesforce, Zendesk or any other software. Okay, awesome. And, and how old is uh, Aircall as a, as a company or how young? Um, well, the company was incorporated in 2014, mm-hmm. so almost two years ago Okay. Uh, in the US and we've gone live in June last year. Okay, very right. cool. Very cool. And, uh, and uh, w- within that time, uh, so, I mean, since 2014, you, you've been part of, uh, I think, you know, eFounders Studio, um, but also last year um, you went to uh, or made the decision to take your team to San Francisco um, to 500 startups. Um, so why did, you, why did you make that decision? Why did you join 500 startups? Well... The, the first thing is that we're we're a French team. You probably can hear that, right? <laughs> so uh, we're we started off in Europe mm-hmm. with the founders in in Paris, um, and when we got our product kind of ready in like Q2 2015, then I thought, hey, we're going to launch it. Um, so how can we make sure that we do that right? And second is we don't want to go for a European play. So what we want to build is a, uh, is a worldwide player, and we need to spend some time in the US, and more specifically uh, in Silicon Valley, um, to, to just get on the right, you know, on the right feet, you know, get the ambition and, and learn from 500 startups. So that's the reason why we chose 500 startups. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually got accepted in a few accelerators, and we chose this one uh, because it was in the location we wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we wanted to learn from the from the gross mentor, mm-hmm. and the last thing is that um, I really wanted to bond the team together. So we were only four at the time, mm-hmm. and I wanted to leave four months all together in the same house, working twenty four seven, 
because I felt this would be the base for the future growth. So create, let's say, a rock-solid team uh, doing, doing that experience. That actually happened. Okay. Also, and how was the, the, the overall experience? You mentioned that you, you know, the, the team bonded there. Um, overall, you, you know, was it pretty intense? Was it, how was it you know, physically and uh, emotionally? Well, essentially, the first two months were extremely intense. So we just got off the plane, and I remember that. And in the airport, we just, you know, like look, looked at each other saying, okay, it's now or never. So we kill ourselves, you know, we, we have to kill our product and make it awesome, mm-hmm. or we just never do it. And so the first two months were really nonstop work. So like really 24-7. So waking up about 7.30 in the morning and opening the computer and starting to work until whatever, midnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, with quick breaks to run together, but I was only this. And then after two months, then we get burned out. So then, then we started saying, oh, fuck, we just need one weekend. We need to do something else. Um, and, and so they said the last two months of having startups, we got, let's say more serious <laughs> and we got back to saying, Hey, working a, a, really a lot, mm-hmm. but spending some time to just, you know, uh, relax and just leave the experience as well, uh, as a, as a, as a team outside of just coding and selling. Okay. Awesome. And, and towards, I, I guess at the end of every accelerator, I, I think, and certainly in the, the case of 500 startups, um, you have demo day where you're you you, you know you're pitching to uh, uh, a, a number of investors. Um, you know how how was that uh, experience and and how has being um, you know part of five hundred startups helped in your fundraising to process? So, I mean, of course, it helps a lot to rehearse every day during a month, mm-hmm. so you get better and better at delivery. Now, honestly, we didn't raise during Demo Day, and Demo Day did not bring any significant investor, mm-hmm. really. Uh, but it helps you be crisper, sharper on your ideas. Um, now, I would say that 500 Startups have a very clear stand on fundraising, which is, you do it, we don't. Mm-hmm. So we give you advice, we help you. But I was really, I think, I was kind of disappointed. Because I thought, hey, we, out of five startups, fundraising is going to be a you know, walk in the park. Mm-hmm. Just going to meet a few VCs, and I said. And it was actually a very quantitative exercise. So I met over 100 VCs. Okay, I met well. 20 VCs first, got no's. Then 30 more no's. And then again, and the thing is, Silicon Valley, it's like unlimited resource. There's unlimited number of VCs. Mm-hmm. So just keep on expanding and... And then, of course, time, time goes by, so you've got maybe better numbers or you reach a level where you get some interest. Uh, but it was really a numbers game. It was really about making 100, more than 100 meetings to finally get interest from a few VCs. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, you, you answered the, uh, the, the, ne- the next question there in that obviously you, you met with over, over 100 um, you know, in, investors and uh, effectively I, I was going to ask, you know, if, if it is a, a numbers game and your advice to other founders is that, you know, don't just, uh, you know, pitch to you know, 10 VCs, but, you know, aim for 50 or 100 or, or more. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the, honestly, one mistake we made was saying, hey, we're going to target the top VCs we want. Mm-hmm. And we went actually quite far with two of them. Mm-hmm. And I really thought, like, hey, we're going to make it. And, and then finally it was two no's, in the sense that too early, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and honestly, it, it was, let's say, I should have expected that because these were really big funds and, uh, and, and I have 
put all my bets on those two, and then I had lost a lot of time. So I think it, it helps a lot saying, hey, I know I'm going to go into 100 meetings. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're lucky, and after 10, you close, but be prepared to that. Don't put all your eggs on two, three VCs that have the good feet or where it, you know, the relationship starts well. Uh, just keep on meeting people and, and building your pipe. It's like a cust like, it's like customer, a customer pipeline. It's the same thing. You have to have a lot to get one, finally. Yeah, awesome, awesome advice there. I mean, did you, uh, with all that experience of pitching, you, you know, to, to over 100 VCs, you know, rather than, you know, just getting sort of no's, did you get, you know, good feedback, um, you know, from each and every one as to, you know, the decision as to perhaps why they weren't investing, like you said, you know, maybe it's too early, but also did it help you, from pitch to pitch, you know, improve uh, any of this feedback that you got? Um, so, I think, it, of course, it helps. I think in our case, um, the two main reasons why VCs would turn us down mm -hmm. is you're too early stage, mm -hmm. uh, and there's kind of little you can do about this. Mm -hmm. It's as well, it's a way to say no, but I think it reflects some kind of reality. And the second thing is uh, your market is like shitty. You're in the voice market, that's an increasing market, you've got a lot of competition. I mean, why? And especially on this question, mm -hmm. um, I learned a lot from receiving no's. And, then, and, and, and essentially when it came to meeting the VCs that we finally uh, dealt with, I had the proper answer, uh, answers there. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it, it does help, but again, it's a numbers game. So you don't get um, better after each VC meeting. Mm -hmm. When you do 10, 15, 20, then, then you start thinking, hey, maybe I don't have the answers to these broad questions, or maybe my pitch is globally not convincing enough because it's not one guy who said no, but it's actually five or 10 guys. So it's probably, you know, you have to question yourself, and it took me quite a lot of meetings to actually, um, you know, boil down, you know, analyze and think, okay, this question needs a very sharp answer and I don't have it. So what is the sharp answer? And then you spend some time building up the sharp answer that you will use for the next meetings. Okay. And, and, and then, um, you, you know, so you, you did uh, get actually a, a, a very good seed round or second seed round in, uh, in, in January. Um, and, um, you know, this was uh, $2.75 million um, and was led by Balderton Capital, who are one of the, you know, the leading, um, you know, technology, I, I guess, sort of VC firms in, uh, in Europe. Um, and their lead investor of, of that is a, you know, great VC, although I'm not going <laughs> to pronounce his name correctly. I, I, I think uh, Bernard, uh, I'm going to say Lieto. Uh, yeah. Okay. There, there we go. Um, so, um, you know, did you, you know, pick Balderton, you know, uh, did you have them as like, you know, these are one of our sort of top choices, um, you know, or, or did Balderton, you know, pick you? So I've been in contact with Balderton for a very long time. Uh, I think even end of 2014, I was already starting to engage with them, not with Bernard Lyoto. Mm -hmm. uh, but with more junior, let's say, principals or associates. Um, and, I mean, at least from my perspective, as, as I mean, being in France, uh, Baderson is really a top investor. Mm -hmm. um, now, 
I think in, in the way we uh, structure our approach to fundraising, we wanted, uh, let's say, US or UK investors. Um, and essentially, we already had an agreement with a US investor called Funders Club, is mm -hmm. in San Francisco. So we had like kind of access to hear some help locally. And uh, Balderton was a great fit in the SaaS, they have big knowledge here, mm -hmm. uh, they're extremely recognized, and I wanted a VC, uh, I know it might sound a bit idealistic, but I wanted a VC that could help me. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I know many people say, yeah, I mean, just, what, they help you with money, that's it. But I think, actually, I was expecting more, and so far, after a few bold meetings, uh, they've been extremely helpful. So, I, I had them on my radar, and I mean, they had me, but I would say I picked them more than they picked me. And I really pushed and came back and came back. I mean, luckily, we had nice growth, so like 30% monthly growth, month after month. So, mm -hmm. you know, after some months, when you do that for a year, people start to think, wow, still, <laughs> there's something maybe going on here. Yeah. So, um, between early 2015 and then when we actually engaged uh, end of last year, uh, you know, I pushed and pushed, and then we had the numbers to to raise their interest. Okay, awesome. And how how important then is it, you know, to have the right VC in your corner? Then, because you're you're seeing, I guess, that you know, after four or five sort of meetings with Balderton, that they're they're adding, you know, more than just the uh, the investment, you know, to you. But uh, just in a, in a, in a generalization, you know, how important is it to you, you know, to have that right VC in the corner? Um, well, I think it, it, it can help in, in many aspects, but I mean, in, in our case, being a European company and with a worldwide ambition, especially to expand uh, in the US and build a very solid team, I mean, that's, that's the one single thing where they've added more value than, than anything else I can think of. Uh, and I'm talking here about Balderton, but as well about Funders Club, mm -hmm. which really, I mean, both have a fantastic network. Um, but typically, I mean, they've just just make the life um, much easier. We're actually now looking for offices in New York. We just found them yesterday through Balderton, through the network and bam, bam. Mm -hmm. And now we're set and we started the hiring faster than we thought. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, I think you can, of course, you can leave without having... Uh, great VCs. Before this round, we had like angels and smaller funds um, that were helpful, but not at that level. And you can live without that, without having a really very helpful VC, but it does help you. I mean, you've got so many problems anyway in the day-to-day -day life. So when you get some good news, good customer intro for whatever, a VIP account or, uh, you know, solutions to your offices or hiring, that really makes you, you know, push you further and say, hey, cool. I'm not at all, you know, pushing the, pushing the boat or whatever. Or you say that. Yeah, no, no, definitely pushing the boat out. Yeah. And um, so uh, you, and what were the, if you're happy to kind of share, you know, the key reasons given for investing in Aircall by Balderton and uh, Funders Club? I mean, you mentioned the impressive 30%, you know, month on month uh, sort of growth there. Um, you, you know, was there any, uh, I guess, kind of, you know, top reasons that they gave to say, yeah, this is why we're, we're betting on you guys? Um, so I think it's... It started with the numbers, not the numbers as such, but the fact that they felt that there was 
there was a team to reach that number. Mm -hmm. So that, okay, this team was able to go from whatever, 10K in revenue to 100K in whatever, eight months. Um, so they probably have some resources or at least some ambition, right? Um, so I think uh, beyond the numbers, they trusted me. Uh, and, and, and when I say me, it's me plus the three co-founders we have, so Jonathan, Xavier, and, and PB, mm -hmm. so tech and sales. Of course, I was making, I mean, I was leading the fundraising, so I was really the, the big figure that they would see. But I remember that getting out of the partner meeting at Balderton, they felt, okay, now, I mean, we do trust that you have, I mean, you want to execute, you have executed well, and you have vision. And I think... Um, as I said, negative point in our market is like it's a, it's a, it's a like an old market, commoditized, and and I think I was able to convince them that we're not going to be commoditized because we've got such a disruptive approach, and in the vision we have, we think we can add a lot of value to the simple, you know, cold minutes, and that's I think what made them realize that hey, of course the market is ripe for disruption, but on top of that. Uh, these guys come with the idea of adding a lot of value to commodity market, and we believe in that. So these were the, the two reasons, I would say, people and the, and, and the vision strategy. Okay, great, great stuff. And so you've got $2.75 million, or you, you certainly, uh, well, uh, had it in, in January. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, what will these funds be used for? What, what, do you, what is Aircool going to spend this money on? Um, or invested money on perhaps a better yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> better. So um, I think the first uh, investment item I would say are, uh, are the people mm -hmm. and, and the team. So um, and, and essentially we have a strategy saying we just go all in, right? Uh, I mean the start of Aircall was kind of complicated. Now we have that money and we know the market is ripe and our product is ready. So we really go all in like poker style. Mm -hmm. So we ran from six people end of last year with 22 now. We're going to be so like three months after that. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're going to be 35 uh, in the next couple of months. Um, and that that is actually spread between um, the tech team. Um, so at 500 Startups, we had only two developers, uh, basically two co-founders. Now we have nine uh and 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 we're we're in a business that's that's feature driven so there's a big value in 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 investing in, in on the tech side and then on the sales side essentially the cost will be uh or the investment will be in the us so building the us sales team and if anyone is listening to this podcast if you're interested join us with hiring in new york <laughs> um so um, this will be the main cost item. Then on top of that, we'll do some marketing, but essentially our, I mean, the, the way we see the growth will be a lot of, let's say, B2B direct contact, um, you know, building the partnerships with, with uh, Salesforce and Desk. And this doesn't need that much marketing. Mm -hmm. We need a fantastic integrated product so that people can just use us inside Slack or Zendesk or Salesforce in a radically new way. And that's how we get customers, essentially. We don't get customers paying ads or these kind of things. So mostly people, to answer your question. Okay, okay. That answered my question. And, and you, you kind of, uh, well... Uh, went in the direction of answering the, the next question when you, you, you talk about sort of going all in and this, um, you know, the hiring spree, uh, you know, uh, uh, as I'll call it. Um, but uh, uh, I guess the final question was, you know, how big 
you know, do you plan for, for Aircall to, to, to be, um, you know, and, and how much money, uh, you know, will you expect to raise to get there? I mean, this is kind of a crystal ball question, but, uh, um, you know, what are your thoughts uh, uh, around that? It's actually two, two different questions. So the, on the first one, I mean, we actually started Aircall because we feel there's something absolutely huge to build. And of course, the market is huge, and we can meet the needs of millions of companies. But most important is you could not build Aircall a few years ago. And we're at the point where, um, let's say, the technology is available, the infrastructure is available, and the users and the companies start to behave differently. So people really work from anywhere, and the data is connected. So you want to connect all your code information to any other softwares. And we feel that's exactly the right moment to come in. Um, and, and, and we feel if you come at that moment, not in two years from now, not two years ago, at that moment, then it can really be something really, be, uh, really big, sorry, um, it's not that you're the new way that companies handle phone calls. That's just a much simpler way, much better way. Um, so, and that's why we created the company in the US at first, saying, hey, we don't want to go for a European play. We go for a worldwide play and we want to make this really big and so we have to be a US company. Uh, and have a U.S. office as soon as possible, these kind of things. Now, how much money will we need to get there? It's hard to say, honestly. Um, of course, this is a first, let's say, we call it the seed round, right? the last round. Mm -hmm. um, it gives us some runway, um, but if we want to be able to, to sell our product, market a product worldwide in all the key markets, we'll probably need a new round next year, early next year, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, so I would say it's probably a 10 to 20 additional million dollars that we will need. Uh, and then beyond that, it's now this would really be crystal ball. Um, but, um, but I would say that's, let's say the next step I have inside. And if you can get there, in, in, you know, with the right momentum, the momentum we want, then we'll be fine to build something big. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Olivier, I mean, you, you've given some super insightful uh, answers there and uh, you know insights into uh, I guess your, your decisions as to go into 500 startups and uh, you know being part of an accelerator um, how they impacted the company and uh, and also as to you know this uh, this recent seed round uh, that you you raised and uh, and your journey within uh, I guess sort of you know pitching to VCs and partnering with Balderton so um, I, I think that's awesome you know I just have to say you know thanks for for being on the show uh, today, um, you know, really enjoyed you uh, ha having you as a guest, and um, yeah, you you know, we'll be keeping a keen eye on uh, on Aircall, and also looking forward to all the uh, uh, all the different sort of future integrations that uh, you'll be bringing out as uh, as well as a, as a keen user. So thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Alex. Thank you so much.